Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Declarations and Decrees. I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to make a declaration, what it means to issue a decree, why it is biblical, and why it is so important, why it is so significant, why it is critical that the body of Christ learn to issue spirit-led declarations and decrees over our country, especially during this critical time in our history. So we can push back the darkness that threatens to overtake America. As I've been wont to say, not on my watch. The darkness will not overtake America while I'm alive and praying. Amen? As you know, there is an important midterm election coming up that can turn the tide for America and help us get back on the right track as a nation. We could pray, of course, but in the course of our prayers, we need to learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit, give voice to our faith, and make faith-filled declarations and decrees over our land. Amen? Instead of getting mad at the radio or the television, wherever you get your news from, make a declaration, make a decree. Amen? Don't cuss your radio. Do something productive. So I'd like to start with a few definitions and see if we can build a better understanding of what declarations and decrees are all about. First of all, the dictionary definition for declaration is a formal or explicit statement or announcement. Like, hey, I got some news. You need to listen to what I have to say. Decree has a definition that says an official order issued by a legal authority. Ooh, isn't that interesting? So putting these two definitions together, we could say that to declare and decree over a thing is to formally announce a legal order that must be enforced, that must be obeyed. Now, in our case, we're talking about declaring and decreeing things in the realm of the Spirit with the stipulation that what we declare and decree must line up with the Word, the ways, and the will of God. They are always statements of faith, and many times these declarations and decrees are prophetic in nature. Let me give you an example of declaring a decree. Keep in mind that you don't have to use the word declare or decree to speak with authority to the spirit realm. Here's something that I say over my family. I take authority over all the power of the enemy working against me and my family. Satan, I decree that you have no place in our home, no place in my life, no place in the life of my wife, no place in the lives of my children, and no place in the lives of my children's children. They are off limits to you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a declaration and one that we need to do frequently because, you know, he's always out there looking for an open door, amen, where he can bring oppression, despair, and harm your way. So, 
Before we get too much further into this, I, I want to show you in the Word where that kind of spiritual authority comes from. Spoiler alert. It comes from Jesus Christ Himself. Amen. Matthew 28, 18, and 19. People do not realize how explosive this passage is, but I'm going to break it down for you. This is Jesus talking to His disciples, His believers, before He was taken up into heaven. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So let me reread verse 18 the way another translation says it. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority in the universe has been given to me. Go therefore in that authority and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Remember, when you say in the name of, it means you're representing somebody. So you're to baptize disciples representing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why I think it's best to baptize people into the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for those nitpickers, you can say in the name of Jesus too, and it satisfies everybody. You know, there's actual people that form denominations over how you do that whether you say in the name of Jesus or Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I do both. I could check both boxes. Nobody can criticize me, amen. And I do believe in being fully immersed. So there's another one. That people, you know, they'll fight you over. I was sprinkled when I was an Episcopal young boy. I don't even remember it. But when I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and we were stationed in uh, Jacksonville when we first got married. I just felt the Lord tugging on my heart. Would you be baptized in accordance with my command? I've given you new life. Would you be baptized? And so I went, and Pastor Sidney Epperson and some other people in the church at uh, Queens Creek Methodist Church, which was, by the way, a spirit-filled Methodist church. Hallelujah. Pastor Sidney baptized me in a swimming pool. Amen. Fully immersed. And so I'm bona fide now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another good one. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Where do we get this authority? From Jesus Christ himself. Behold, I give you the authority. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, some people say the devil has no power. But that's not what the scripture teaches. Let me show you why I know that's not true. It says, behold, I give you the authority. That is the Greek word exousia. It means authority. To trample on serpents and scorpions. Obvious that this is symbols of demonic spirits. And over all the power, that is the word dunamis. Explosive power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So what does all that mean? He's got power, but he has no authority to use it against you. Amen? Amen. So we need to take this authority that's been granted unto us and make declarations and decrees 
over our families, over our loved ones, over our church, over the church, over our state, and over our nation. Amen. And yes, even over the whole world. Why? Because when you speak with authority to the spirit realm, things begin to change in the spirit realm, and sooner or later, they will manifest down here in the natural realm. It's especially important during this election season, let me say it again, to charge the atmosphere over our state and over our nation with faith-based declarations and decrees, and we're going to do that before we're done here today. If you do a word search in your Bible software, you'll find that the word decree pops up all throughout books like Esther, Ezra, and Daniel where kings made decrees that affected their own nations and especially the nation of Israel. And even when the words declare or decree are not used, you'll find the concept of authoritative commands and written laws from cover to cover in your Bible or from index to index on your device. So the first thing I want to do this morning is to establish a connection between earthly government and earthly declarations and decrees. Romans chapter 13, we'll read verse 1 through 7 in the New King James. And what I want you to see here, to ease you into what I want to say, is that government was invented by and ordained by God. Romans 13, 1 through 7, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Did you know if you resist arrest, you're resisting the ordinance of God? And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. In other words, live right, you got nothing to fear from the police or from authority figures. Listen to what it says here in verse 4. For he is God's minister to you for good. When's the last time a policeman pulled you over for speeding and you looked at him as God's minister to you for good? Probably never happened. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Now, these days, they don't draw their sword when they come to you. They pull their pistol if you're threatening them or if you're breaking the law. Amen? Because they have authority to use weapons to make you toe the line, to enforce law and order. Amen? Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. What does that mean? Don't just obey the law because you're afraid of the consequences if you don't. Obey the law because it's the right thing to do. It's what your conscience demands. Amen? For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, Customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So government, although not always godly in execution, 
was instituted by God to curb sin, maintain law and order over cities, over peoples, and over nations. For thousands of years, kings and rulers have been making declarations and issuing decrees. These words have been written down and have become the basis for the law of the land for many nations. Let me give you a scripture to back that up. Proverbs 8.15 says, New King James, this is God speaking, By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. They are authorized by God because government was God's idea. But while there are earthly governments formed by declarations and decrees, it was God's intention that earthly governmental laws should line up with or agree with God's governmental laws with his declarations and with his decrees. That's why Jesus taught us to pray this way, Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants his laws to be our laws, our ways to be his ways. So with all this governmental talk in mind, let me tell you something that most Christians are unaware of. The church was ordained by Jesus to be a governmental body with delegated spiritual authority given to them by God. Matthew 16, 17 through 19, this is the English Standard Version. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. A little bit of background. They were having a discussion, and Jesus said to his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? And they said, Well, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And, and Jesus said, Yeah, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, which means son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen to verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. The keys in verse 19 speak of the authority that has been given to the church by Jesus Christ himself. The word translated as church in verse 18 is a very interesting word. It's the Greek word ekklesia. So in ancient Greece, an ekklesia was a body of citizens that met to make decisions about war and foreign policy. Isn't that interesting? With spiritual warfare in mind. So here in this passage, the word ecclesia carries with it the concept of the church as a ruling, governing body with delegated authority to bind and to loose or to permit and not permit or to allow and not allow certain things. Amen. To make rulings, declarations, or decrees that establish things in the spirit realm that will ultimately affect the natural realm. 
When you make a declaration or release a decree that is based on the Word of God or is based on the voice of God's Spirit, you release tremendous power into the heavenly realm that can change the course of your life, the lives of your fellow saints, the course of nations, even the course of history itself. So with all that in mind, if you're going to make effective declarations and decrees, you need to, number one, let prayer and the Word be the foundation of your declarations and decrees. If you'll spend time in prayer in the presence of God and spend time in His Word and make the Word a priority in your life, you'll be able to hear more clearly when the Spirit of God speaks to you, whether, whether He highlights a particular word from the Scripture or whether He speaks a more specific word by His indwelling Spirit. And when you release that Word in the form of a decree or a declaration, it will carry much more anointing than just throwing something out there without a firm foundation in the Word and the Spirit. In fact, it's dangerous to throw out declarations and decrees if you're not firmly grounded in the Word and the Spirit. All right, let me see if I can show you that in the Word. John 15, 7, King James. I just like the King James the way it says it. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Can you imagine a scripture that says, you can ask God to do your will, and he'll do it? Well, not so fast. If you abide in me, that's the condition, and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Because now, you know, if you've abided in Him and His words have abided in you, His will is your ways. His actions are your actions. His thoughts are your thoughts. You're completely in sync so that when you say something or ask for something from the Lord that you think is your will, it's really His will all along. And He says, of course. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Job twenty-two twenty-eight. If you read the whole chapter, he's talking about drawing close to God and, and listening to the Word of God, which was scarce back in those days. This is back before there was any Scripture. The Word they got, they had to get directly from God. Job said, when you get to this point of intimacy with the Lord, when you get to this close relationship, thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. It's kind of the Old Testament version of John 15, 7. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. I like the way, uh, I believe it's the Amplified that says it this way, you shall decree a thing, it shall be established unto you, and the light of God's glory will shine upon your path. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so I want to take the rest of our time this morning to share a story from the Bible. It's Bible story time that's been near and dear to my heart for many years. It's the story of Daniel and King Darius, Daniel and the lion's den. And it's all about decrees, and it's full of revelation that can be directly applied to our current situation here in America. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 through 23. We'll read all 23 verses, and you're going to love it as we do. Amen. I won't comment on every verse. Some of them are just uh, self-explanatory, but some I'll expound 
and we'll dig a little deeper. All right, so little background. Daniel is a prophet of God. He's one of the children of Judah that were carried away captive to Babylon. And so he's in Babylon, and now the Medes and the Persians take over, and Darius is king, and Daniel's still a captive. Verse 1 says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. A satrap is a governor to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So here's the picture. 120 governors ruled by three higher governors. I assume it was probably 40 provinces apiece. But one of the governors was supposed to be over all the rest, and that's what the king had in mind for Daniel because he was already a trusted advisor and friend of King Darius. Verse 3 says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm, which pleased all the rest of the 120 governors. They were so happy they were doing backflips. This foreigner is now going to be ruler over us. This captive is going to be ruling over us. So verse 4 says, So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. In other words, they looked and they scrubbed and they peeked and they probed, and in the end, Daniel was squeaky clean. There was nothing they had on him. So get the picture. These other leaders were so jealous of Daniel, I think because he stood head and shoulders above them all. So they hatched a plot to make sure he would not be ruler over them. In fact, they were so jealous of him, they wanted him dead. I mean, horribly dead. Verse 5 says, Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. In other words, it was known that Daniel prayed three times a day. It was his custom every day. And so they figured if they made a decree for 30 days, somewhere in that 30 days they would catch him praying and be able to go to the king and say, hey, he's making petitions to his God, not you. He's broken the decree. He's broken the law. Verse 8 said, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter it. In other words, once a king made a decree... He would put his signet ring on it and stamp it, and that was it. It could not be reversed. It could not be rescinded. It could not be turned back. 
Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. In other words, we're not going to back off of this once it's written law. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, as I've already said in so many words, this ungodly decree was an attempt by Daniel's enemies to use his devotion to prayer and his relationship with God against him and to land him in the lion's den. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Now, I have to believe he knows he's being watched. And I believe that Daniel on this particular day opened the windows a little bit wider than he normally did and he got a little closer to the window and prayed a little louder than he normally did because no king or no decree was going to tell him he could not offer prayers to his God. It's not their jurisdiction. (laughs) These are godly matters. And I have to obey the laws of God, not the laws of man. So Daniel was having none of it. So I think this paints a very good picture of what we believers are referring to as ungodly laws. When laws are passed that violate God's word, and there have been plenty of those, it's not good for the country, and it's not good for the citizens of the country. America will not prosper as long as evil leaders are setting and enacting their policy agendas. That's just a fact, folks. That's not politics. That's a fact. That's why this midterm election is so important. We need to vote for candidates who stand for righteousness, truth, justice, and life and liberty. It's really simple, folks. Look at the platforms. Look at the candidates. The first thing I look for is do they support life? And then I go down from there. And it's really an easy choice to make. It's not complicated. Verse 11 says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is the one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Now this is a picture of what many people call civil disobedience which is the notion that we as citizens are not duty-bound to obey ungodly laws when they're passed. You know, isn't that interesting? The Bible can comment on current events. We must obey God before man and all things. Isn't that right? Verse 14, And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Notice that the king was not displeased with Daniel. He was displeased with the evil politicians who tricked him into unwisely signing a decree that would end up casting his friend Daniel 
into the lion's den. Then these men approached the king. Listen, after he, he tried till sundown to figure out a way to get out of this decree, they came to him and said, Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. In other words, they're putting the screws to him. They're putting pressure on him. you got to execute this decree. You cannot back away from it. It is the law of the Medes and the Persians, which alters not. And you've got to know he wanted to help his friend and his trusted advisor, Daniel. You've got to know he wanted to undo that somehow, some way, but there was no way. If he had canceled it, it probably would have cost him his kingdom probably would have cost him his life. Verse 16, So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. This is, this is, this is just special to me. I hope you see how special this scripture is. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Can you imagine the conflict in his soul as he did this? But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, listen to this, Your God, whom you serve continually, He will deliver you. Let me say that again. Your God, whom you serve continually, He will deliver you. Now this verse is very significant and says a lot of things to me. I think it's a perfect picture of what we're facing in our nation today. The good guys are being fed to the lions, so to speak while the bad guys seem to be prospering. Ungodly laws are being passed, and godly laws are being disobeyed. And we're not prospering as a nation. But we need to remember that we've been called to be priests and kings unto our God. That's Revelation 5.10. As priests, we pray for our country. As kings, we make declarations and decrees. Amen? Another thing I see in this story is that ungodly kings or rulers can have a change of heart and can get behind godly laws and issue godly decrees. Sometimes instead of removing or replacing a particular leader, God will search their heart, and if he's able to turn their heart, he or she can be persuaded to issue godly decrees or to pass godly laws. Notice that in the story, the hands of King Darius were tied. There was nothing he could do. He could not reverse, rescind, or undo the decree that he had issued. As I said, even though you, you got to know he wanted to, his trusted friend and advisor. But Darius was a king, and kings make decrees. So when he saw his friend cast into the lion's den, I believe he was moved by the Spirit of God to issue another decree a godly decree, one that appealed to Daniel's God in his greatest hour of peril. Hey, Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. He couldn't eat anything, and he couldn't get any sleep. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, the king spoke saying to Daniel, 
Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. In other words, it's not personal. But when you make me choose between my country and my God, I'm going to choose my God every time. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. And because I believe he believed the declaration that King Darius made right before the stone was rolled over the entrance to the lion's den and there was no getting out. He heard King Darius issue a decree and he said, I receive that and I believe that. Amen. And God sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lions and Daniel lived through the night without a scratch. All right. I hope that's got you as pumped up as it's got me. But I'm pumped up and I got to drive to Columbia, South Carolina this afternoon. I'm even looking forward to that. Amen. So to wrap things up, I'd like to teach you a declaration and decree that the Lord gave me from the story of Daniel and King Darius, Daniel and the lion's den. Okay, so everybody real loud now. All right, amen. Concerning the current state of our government. Concerning the current state of our government. The state of America. The state of America. And the upcoming midterm elections. We declare declare, and we decree decree that our God, God, whom we serve continually, continually, He will deliver us. us. Amen Amen. and amen. Amen. We're going to make a declaration, a decree over Faith Life Fellowship. I got to obey the second Holy Ghost here. My wife has done spoke to me. We declare and decree that this church, Faith Life Fellowship, will complete her destiny in this place. We will be growing and thriving and making an impact In our region, in our our city, in our our state, in in the nation, nation, and in the world. world. People will be saved, saved, healed, healed, and delivered, and and discipled discipled, to become mature saints of God God, and spread the gospel even further than we have thus far. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, Declarations and Decrees. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us. 
on Sunday at 10 a.m. for Coffee and Fellowship and 10.30 for Worship and Service. If you would like to learn more about us or hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.